0: G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today I'm covering off a question that I get asked really regularly by our clients, and that's, Jared, should I be uh, thinking of upgrading my house? Should I be investing, or should I be paying down debt? And it can get very confusing as to which one of those is the best option, especially when you've got different people telling you different things. And today I, so- I wanted to pull apart that decision, and I guess more related to the phases that we go through throughout our lives and some of the different things we should be thinking about at each phase, and ultimately that's going to determine what you end up doing. So I think you're going to really love this episode. Let me know what you think. And let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. So why is it that you never see someone's family home getting spoken about As part of an overall investing plan. I'm going to explore that today as well as why is it that most people don't think about I guess how to maximize their investment in their home. Certainly going to be going into that because most investors that I speak to I guess don't have a clear plan and I guess how can the home be involved in that plan if they don't haven't got any plan at all. And so I guess by default, when they're worried or unsure about what to do, they just tend to end up paying down debt on their home because it's, I guess, the safest thing to do, make things more stable, have less debt. If they lose their jobs, they you know, can keep a roof over their head. And I guess who can blame them when uh, our market has been so bad? in perth over the last three to five years who would have wanted to have been buying investment properties then unless you were really on top of your game and able to buy extremely well add value and uh, but then still likely have the market going against you it was it was a tough road but we can't keep thinking from that space and Unless uh, we were investing around Australia over the last three to five years and different other capitals, for most people that's outside the comfort zone. And we've got to look at when we can make the most of the up cycles that we have here in Perth. And uh, when that opportunity is in front of us as it is now, we all need to, I guess, revisit or create a larger plan for what we're doing now. That's going to very much depend on what phase you're in and that usually changes as we get older with age and our circumstances with jobs and partners and kids and our overall goals change. So I don't for a second think that everyone's the same out there or that we all don't have different aspirations and goals. So keep in mind that I'm going to map out I guess, some of my thinking that would be relevant at each of the phases as you go through life. And the one thing that I think needs to be throughout your entire life is starting with a plan and continuing to revisit that plan and make sure that you're on track. And I know the word plan can seem pretty boring and seem, "Oh, Jared, just get to Where to buy a sexy development property. But if you just rush out and buy any old property, how do you know if it's actually getting you closer towards your overall goals? How do you know it's not a distraction and that it's going to be a big misuse of your time, taking you away from your family and your kids, you know, not to a larger reason? So I think when you're putting this plan together, I always suggest to. To find the right help and that's often you know finding a good financial planner i'm going to be chatting with one in the coming episodes that help you get some perspective on making better decisions but some of the questions i guess to ask yourself and it's good to have these answered before you go to a financial planner because keep in mind that um if you don't know the answers to these don't expect them to come from from anyone else so where do you really want to live and have your kids go to school so if you're just starting out, you may not have a family, that may be all well and truly over your head. I guess your first focus is going to be where do you want to live for your lifestyle? And then as you, your kids get on, you know, as you meet the right person, you might end up having kids and then you you start thinking more about where do I want my kids to go to school? That becomes a driving factor for where we want to live and I'm going to touch on that in the phases shortly but a great question to answer to help you put together your overall plan because if you want to live in a you know in a top 20 schools area that's going to be very different to if you're not fussed by the school that you're going to send your kids to so some of the other questions here to develop your plan are how far off is your potential retirement and that's going to really dictate how aggressive you might be how how readily you can afford to make mistakes it's going to impact I guess your comfort zone for what you have tolerance for and it's going to help you know you know how long have you got to put your money to work for you and really the longer the better so the earlier that you get started the more cycles that you can see and you can let your investing do the heavy lifting so as that time horizon gets closer people can also be more inclined to have greater pressure around making their money work and can often take risks that they shouldn't so it can go the other way the closer that you get to retirement too another one of the questions is what income do you want to have from your passive investments and by what age so i guess at the moment i'm 38 years old and i'm working towards a set passive income goal by the age of 50 We want to get to a household income of 150,000 by that age. So that's 13 odd years away. And then by the time that we retire a further 10 years later, we want to get to a passive income of 300,000 for the household. So that's what I'm working towards. And I find in chatting to most people that 100 grand can go a long way and be a really good burst passive income goal. 50 might do it for you, just depends. And if you aren't on top of what you currently spending and what you'd need for your entertainment and whatnot, that's certainly a good place to start in putting together such a plan. And I typically uh, would have a figure that includes, you know, loan interest or uh, a rental amount and excludes it. So I know that if I've paid off that home, this is what I need. And if I pay, if I'm still paying my home, this is what I need. So once you get that passive income target, then you can start to get a bit of a feel for approximately how many properties are you going to need to fulfill this now if you're targeting 100 grand and the average property rents for 400 a week that means you're going to need to own five odd properties outright and if your passive income goals are upwards from there you might need to own say as many as 15 properties for the upper end of my target now when i say five to 15 properties what you should focus on here is the income that you're getting not as much the number of properties so if you held quality properties and instead of buying at 400 grand you owned at 800 grand or a 1.2 million dollar property then you'd need to own a lot less you might only need to own two or three high quality properties to end up with that kind of passive income now keep in mind that you've got hopefully You can start younger, start earlier and have time to grow your capital base. Now, the first phase that we're typically in is rent vesting. And that's where you start out, you might have just got your job. You've probably got more money than you know what to do with at that stage. I remember when I started out as an engineer, you go from living on 100 bucks a week in in the uni days and all of a sudden, I think uh, my starting salary or something at the time might have been 60,000 back then that seemed like a, a hell of a lot of money don't quote me on that uh, fellow grads but that's that's the figure i have in mind and overnight you you need to start thinking about doing something with your money you can you know there's only so much money that you can spend at the bottleo and going out to clubs on the weekend and takeaways but the sooner you can start getting in a, a pattern of savings and putting aside that uh, set amount per you know, fortnight, then you're going to be creating some good habits that later when as you make more money and more money, you can keep uh, increasing that percentage of what you save. So when you're in that first phase, you don't often need st- the stability of a family home and you might be renting, decide, I guess, to rent a lifestyle where you can't afford or just makes, you know, a lot more sense to share a house or a, an apartment with one or two other friends, as I did back in the days, a great way to get out of home and not have a massive increase in your expenses all of a sudden. And uh, it may not make sense to go and uh, buy an apartment as an investment, but when you're 2021 20, living in Northbridge or West Perth or SUBY, as uh, some of the places I've lived, it's nothing beats up for a lifestyle when you're young. I uh, started thinking and uh, investing. Very early around that age. And I would be buying investments where I could afford and often using, you know, very high leverage at the time. So you'd be looking at making every dollar that you've got go further. You just want to get into the market at this stage because we're going to have solid growth ahead for the next two to three years. You want to, if you're sitting on the sidelines, you want to be getting in. And it's typical to be borrowing at 90% in this phase and you'd often be buying a a lower quality of asset where you're in the lower priced areas your your average annual growth rates likely to only be around the five percent mark as we've touched on in a past episode but when you invest with the cycle you know those suburbs are still going to see you know probably 20 30 percent gains over the next two to three years that can be a massive amount of money to help you get a great start in life so Put the blood, the sweat and the tears in at that point. And, you know, I'd encourage it also looking at adding some value to the property through renovation and or subdivision. Renovation is a great place to start. And, look, it can take up a lot of your time at that point, but you don't have necessarily have a partner or have a family and it's well worth the sweat equity, as we call it, to put into it and get your first rung on the property ladder, so to speak. So rent vesting, great way to go if you're starting out. And then you can start to think about the next phase and it can take, but potentially you might end up buying a first home uh, by yourself uh, because you want to have a space that's just yours, have a space that you can customize. You might still add some value and renovate to it so that you're getting upside and able to refinance your your deposit out as quickly as possible to keep it moving, to keep it investing, keep it working for you. And But then you get to a stage where family's important you're starting to have kids. And really, I'm only just entering that stage of live-vesting, We I would call it, where we've got a toddler. The most important thing for me is getting her into quality schools. And when I see the cost of private schools at 50 to 100K per year, oof. That scares me. So what's made most sense to us is to really uh, pull our capital back in. That can mean selling one or uh, two or potentially all your investment properties at that time and then buying in the best quality area that you can. And I would be encouraging people to think about how they can do this not just from emotional space, but from the investing space too. So buying a real quality investment grade location that has a proven past performance above 6% average annual growth rate over the last 30 years, that'd be a great start. And uh, all of those suburbs are going to be extremely hot, do very well in the next two or three years as well. So, and I guess this can go for at any stage along the way too. So if you are just starting out, you know, Think about how your initial investments can tie into this next phase. And even though you might not be wanting that family home now, the page will turn and at some point you will. So getting into those top 20 public schools was really important for us from a, um, both a primary and a high school, upper school point of view. And I figure why not put it into the home and pay some extra in interest along the way, especially when interest rates are low rather than in the school fees. So that was where what we've done. And I'm seeing an increasing, I guess, number of our generation opting to do the same thing too. And that's only going to further increase demand for these uh, blue bluer chip investment grade type locations. So look where the good schools are and chat with me about Past history from the, all the research that I've uh, compiled and include consideration of that in your suburb selection. And keep in mind as well, growth in your family home is not taxed. So if you're doing the selection to be in a high growth area and you're getting those gains over the next five, 10 years, and you may end up staying there 15 odd years, potentially the whole time while your kids go through school. So 16 or 17 years, that can be a sizable gain. You may have been through two market cycles and to not have to pay tax on that when, when, it, when and if you sell, that's a, a real blessing that we have in Australia for the principal place of residence. So really makes a lot of sense. And, of course, you get all those improved lifestyle and better peer group for your kids potentially and it can take a few steps to get there too. So we ended up buying house first in the Swan Valley Knew that it would end up being switched to an investment property at some point. We're not going to keep it full long term, but while the market's going up for the next two to three years, our plan is to ride that cycle. And then when it's holding us back from making other investments, we might choose to sell to regain borrowing capacity if we can invest somewhere better and it's holding us back at that point. So that's a good way to think about the interplay between that family home and the house that you're leaving. And then you enter, once you've got your family home sorted and you're going to be there at least 10 10 years, you enter a bit more of a growth phase, I like to call it. So you continue to, I guess, use higher leverage to grow your portfolio during this time. And you can start to use the equity from your early stage investing if you've if you've got some and the increases in your family home that you get from buying in a in a higher quality area. And you can, at that point, you usually, you know, often you've got double income because uh, the wife's back working, they're getting their enjoyment out of that too. And I don't want to be at home all the time with the kids. So it can be a bit of a balancing act as well. But you've got a greater capacity to save usually by that point too. So you can really look at how best to make use of your equity that you've gained, the increasing uh, incomes that you have. And I'd suggest continuing to borrow at 80% so that you're not paying lender's mortgage insurance. So I guess early on in your journey, you would go up to 90%. Again, this is just general advice and everyone can be different. So consult professionals to make these decisions. But for us, it makes sense to then keeping revaluing against the family home and putting that out uh, towards investment, revaluing against our investment properties and up to 80% and reinvesting that and continuing to grow our overall capital base that we have working for us you know, in owning investment properties. So... Get control of as much property during this phase, especially over the next year or so before the next two to three years comes. And obviously, this is cycles are going to come around again. So, the longer you're in this game, the more you know what to expect. And as long as I guess you during this phase, we want to keep increasing our capital base and keep it working for us. So, I suggest you as well start to think about shifting towards buying and holding longer term real quality assets and if you can afford to at this point be getting into locations where you can be getting that six percent plus average annual growth rate over 30 plus years and um, you're going to do a lot better and by this stage when your incomes are higher too you don't want to be going and selling properties and paying too much tax along the way you want to be letting them compound in a um, tax-free environment and increasing your overall wealth in the background, focusing on your family life and getting your kids through school. So that's what I call the growth phase. Now, as a side note, I do come across a lot of people that should be in what I think a growth phase because they have 15 or 20 years till they retire. They might only own one or two properties at that stage but they're instead waiting until they've paid off their either their home or their first investment property before they buy another. Now, I guess I would challenge that thinking and, and say that perhaps that was a good idea for the last three to five years when you couldn't get the returns in the market, but now you should be looking at how you can get control of as much property safely, as much quality property safely so that you're not risking the family home and that you're then going to really benefit uh, from the growth ahead in the next two to three years and I certainly would not be waiting till you've paid off either of those before you start your growth phase too because you need time in market and you would have uh, if you've listened to one of my past episodes on how important is the growth rate well one of the key points to that episode as well was if you can have a property working for you for 20 30 god even 40 years that's going to Power in the compounding around that's just going to, you know, take you to heights of you know, wealth that you, you can't even believe when you uh, extrapolate it out in the spreadsheet. So get started early and, and uh, don't wait until you've paid down all the family home or paid down, you know, all of your first and one or two investment properties, especially when your retirement's still a long way off. So, of course, as you start to approach. That retirement phase, there can be a real transition that you start to go through. And you want to start, I guess, de-risking your situation because you can't afford losses at that point. And that's the point where you do need to start being a hell of a lot more conservative. You certainly wouldn't be out borrowing at high loan to value ratios. You really want to start getting your LVRs down under 50% and working them down year on year. And that can either mean, hopefully, that by that stage, you've had the growth to get the LVRs down to there and you don't need to sell an asset because, you know, even when we retire, it can, for instance, take us maybe 10, 15 years to get through our super amounts that we've saved. And if you can keep your properties growing and compounding over that time, you're going to be a hell of a lot better off too. So I guess avoid selling assets unless you absolutely have to. Look at the interplay with your financial planner of how super, and or other investments that are more cash flow based work in with your property portfolio. And at this stage, you'd be wanting to improve your overall cash flow. Rents have increased by this point to hopefully be a lot stronger cash flow. And you want to be using that overall capital base that you've created to give you a predictable passive income. And that's, I guess, where all of us want to get to at some level. And it is all possible if we start and work towards an overall plan with the end passive income in mind and take the steps along the way and keep in mind what phase you're in. And then you can start to think about some of the decisions that are most appropriate. So I hope this has really helped. And if you do want to chat about your personal investing strategy, feel free to follow the link in our show notes go to our website and request an investing chat with me and that's going to be free for a 15 to 20-minute chat and then we can chat about how to help you further and put you in the right direction with other service providers as well and I'm only too happy to, to help. So if you've been enjoying our podcast, make sure you give us a five-star rating. I really appreciate that. It helps other investors that are out there find us and thanks for having me in your ears <laughs> till next time bye